And I love this. This is where it gets really good. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Right? This is where it becomes a team effort. This is where there can be no pride involved in people coming to Christ. You thinking you're the one who brought somebody to Jesus. Because what he's saying is, I sent you to reap for that which you didn't do anything for. Right? You're sitting here with me. Right? And I'm having to teach you about the spiritual things of this world. And this woman, who's an outcast, a Samaritan Gentile woman, is out proclaiming Christ. And they get ready. They're coming. And you ain't had nothing to do with it. But I'm going to send you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we've been working through the book of John. We've come to chapter 4, uh, as we started last week, looking at the woman at the well. And by which we pointed out the fact, uh, the, the reality that everyone needs Jesus. Why? Well, because the reality is, is this problem has come up over and over again throughout our study on the book of John. The problem is this, is that we are blind to the spiritual things of this world without the help of the Holy Spirit. Even when we come with intentions that are good, many times we come with blinders on. Remember what happened there in John chapter 2, verse 19, when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it up again. What did they say? And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to rebuild it in three days? Can I tell you their problem? They're blind. They have not eyes to see. Fast forward there into John chapter 3, verse 3. Remember, there's a man there, uh, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, and he he approaches uh, Jesus, and Jesus, after dialoguing with him for a moment, Jesus says in John 3, 3, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And what what does this man say? He says, How can a man be born again? When he is old, he cannot enter the womb a second time into his mother. And can he? He can't fit back in there again. He's a grown man. Can I tell you his problem? He's blind. He does not have spiritual eyes to see. Continuing on into chapter 4, we approach a woman at the well which we looked at last week. Jesus is there. He has traveled from uh, Jerusalem up into Sychar, and he's tired, he's weary, it's very hot, it's the middle of the day, and he's thirsty. And so he asked this woman in John 4, 7, give me a drink. And without delay in John 4, 9, the text tells us the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, uh, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? Since I am a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. And Jesus says this to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. So what does she say? She says to him, sir, you you, you have nothing to draw with. 
The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Can I tell you the problem? She's spiritually blind. She has not eyes to see. Then we approach our text today, John four thirty one. The disciples are there. They're urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat. Jesus responds, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Then they respond to his response. No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. These are the disciples. Can I tell you their problem? They are spiritually blind. They have not eyes to see. These followers of Christ, these disciples, are so worldly, so caught up by the culture, that they can't see. He says, I will raise this temple in three days. It took 46 years. You must be born again. How can a man enter the womb again? I, I will give you living water. You have no cup. Eat. Well, I have food you do not know about. Who brought him foodness? Food. It's all blindness. And so I want to ask today a simple question. Do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? Because what has gotten in the way of these may get in the way of us, things of this world. What is it that has gotten in your way that has prevented you from seeing the glory of God? From seeing His goodness and His greatness? If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, listen, you're spiritually blind. You cannot see the things of God. You're blind to the grace of God. You're blind to the beauty of Christ. You're blind to the condition of your heart. You're blind to the evil that exists all around you every day. My prayer and your prayer should be that God will give you eyes to see, to behold His glory. For you that are here this morning that know Christ, have placed your faith in Christ, have trusted Christ personally, I want to ask you a question. What is preventing you from seeing? Has the internet world drowned your ability to see with spiritual eyes? What is it that has distracted you from having eyes to see? Is it money? Is it media? Is it politics? Pleasure? All of these things that have taken place in John up until our text are a result of not having eyes to see. Some believers and some unbelievers. That covers both of us here today. You're either for Christ or you're against Christ. You're either born again or you're not. There's no middle section here. My prayer today is that God will give us eyes to see. Because now is the time to reap. To open our eyes and to look and to behold because the fields are ready for harvest. And so my prayer is that the Lord will give us eyes to see that. Today, as we approach our text, I want to bring to light four things that I believe that we must do as believers. First, we must share Jesus with everyone. Secondly, we must share Jesus with excitement. 
Thirdly, we must share Jesus with expectation. And fourthly, we must share Jesus with endurance. And so let's dive into our text this morning as we look at our first essential task. And that is the fact that we must share Jesus with everyone. The text reads, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet, no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? Here we are back again today trying to grapple with the cultural delusion of that day that women were not worthy of even talking to them. Much less, right, a rabbi. Because in that culture, a rabbi would have never discussed theological matters with a woman. That would have been a waste of time to them. You see, ever since the fall of man, both men and women will struggle with their ability to fill the purpose in which God created them for. God created male and female in His image with equal value, with equal dignity, but with different roles that complement one another. But what Jesus is up against here is a putting aside the cultural, unfair, discriminatory view of this woman. Jesus is putting into motion a reversal of the effect of the fall. Now, in our day, sin could distort God's design in either direction for the male or for the female, for the hyper side or, or the lackadaisical side. And it has. Our culture has overcompensated, I believe, in many ways. The reality is this woman's being mistreated. Because she was a woman, she was being mistreated. But whenever we get close to the heart of Christ, listen, the treatment of women improve. Doesn't mean we confuse roles or buy into a political, cultural correctness that's flooding the culture, the church, and the seminaries across the, the nation. Jesus wants to make sure that his followers understand that women are just as important to him as men. And we must understand there is no greater value based on your gender. God doesn't love you more because you're a male. He doesn't love you any more because you're a woman. There is equality when it comes to men and women in the eyes of God. We must share Jesus with everyone. Even the cultural outcast like this woman. Listen, the word of God is clear here. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, God, this is good and pleasing in sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, don't get caught up here. The Greek word anthropos that's used for men means humanity. All persons. It's the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Jesus shows no indifference to this woman. He treats her just as he treated the man in the previous chapter, Nicodemus. He shared the kingdom of God with her. And we should do the same. Now, your struggle may not be a woman. It may not be with a man. But what about the color of skin? Our culture is all messed up. It's all confused. And we must not let it be confused here. We must share Jesus across the board with everybody. We must share the love of Christ with all people 
of all ages, of all genders, of all ethnicities. I, I love their question. They think about it, but they don't speak about it, do they? They have a concern. It's interesting. They have a concern about the conduct of Christ. When you think about it. I mean, in their brains, they are literally questioning the God of the universe has come into flesh. (laughs) But they dare not say anything. But Jesus knows their heart. But they don't have the guts to point it out to Jesus at this point. And I can't help but think, and this is eisegetical. I'm reading into the text. But imagine... Jesus, with these disciples, these men who hate Samaritans, that no way would travel from Jerusalem up through Sychar, but would have gone around the Jordan River all the way up to Galilee. And Jesus says, hey guys, we are leaving Jerusalem, the countryside, and we're going to Galilee, but hey, we've got a different direction. We're going through Samaria. Can you imagine the dialogue between there and Sychar? Surely they talked. Surely there was some conversation. And Jesus head straight through Samaria. The reality is we must share Jesus with everything, with everyone, because salvation is for the Jew and for the Gentile, for the male and for the female, for the black, for the white, for the Hispanic, for the Chinese, for every single person in this world. We all need Jesus. And therefore, we must share Jesus with everyone. It's for the rich, for the poor, for the righteous. If that's a, that's kind of an oxymoron, the righteous and the unrighteous. And there is none righteous, no, not one, the scripture says. We just think we're more righteous than what we really are. If we were honest with ourselves, we, we're all pretty evil. Yet it for Christ and his grace. Never underestimate who God can use. Never underestimate who God can use. God used men like Saul. Right? Saul said, I used to do everything I could to oppose the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. He was the man. Paul. God used him. God used David. A man after God's own heart. Really? What happened with him in Bathsheba? Oh, God used him though, didn't he? God used He uses the least likely. He chooses the foolish thing of the world to shame the wise. The fact that I'm standing here is pretty entertaining. Because some of you know me, the the old me. Isn't it amazing God's grace? Isn't it amazing? God is going to use this Samaritan. But not only this Samaritan, this Samaritan woman he's going to use. But not only is Christ going to use the Samaritan woman, he is going to use this outcast Samaritan woman. Not only is he going to use this outcast Samaritan woman, he's going to be used this outcast Gentile Samaritan woman. This is the one whom God is going to teach these disciples a great lesson. And that, that lesson is for me and for you this morning. Never underestimate who God can use. We must share Jesus with everyone. Listen, we, 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 we look at this story, right? As we read it, we read it from top to bottom. But if we were to be there and we were to step back, we're looking at a, at a view from above of two events that are taking place at the same time. Both of these events are unfolding together. There's a story of the woman and there's the story of the disciples. But both are happening 
at the same time. And this will prove very important as we dig deeper into our text. And so the truth is, is first, we must share Jesus with everyone. But secondly, we must share Jesus with excitement. The text continues. So the woman left her water pot <clears throat> and went into the city and said to the, the, to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I had done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. I love this woman's excitement. The text says she left her water pot. Now, a lot of ink has spilled, been spilled here. You, you can get commentaries all the way across the board, and you'll find ten, and there'll be five different meanings in those ten commentaries. But the reality is, I think that this woman is simply excited I don't want to read into the text. I don't want to preach something pretty. Let's just say what it says. She left the water pot. Now, it's been a while. They had been waiting on Messiah, right? I mean, this is a big deal. And just previously in John 4, 25 and 26, she says, I know that when they're talking about, hey, you say we're to to worship on uh, the mountain in Jerusalem, but we're told Mount Gerizim is where we are to worship. They're having a theological discussion, and I love what she says. She says, uh, hey, listen, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When, when that one comes, oh, he will declare all things to us. He, he'll make right which one we are to worship on. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. I am he. Jesus has revealed his deity to this woman. This was a long way to the Messiah, and here he was. And he declared all things to her based off of her testimony. Come see a man who told me all things that I had done. This is not the Christ, is it? She's amazed. She's excited. She's so excited that she just left what she came for. Can I ask you a question? From the bottom of your heart, are you excited about Jesus? Last week, we kind of talked about this, that which excites us that we do. Right? Are you excited about Jesus? Because Jesus is something to get excited about. He is someone to be excited about. Are you so excited about Jesus that you would run and tell others about Christ, about His grace? What are you willing to do in order to share Christ? Would you be willing to leave a few hours on the table to go and to share the love of God with people? We try in this church to create opportunities for that. For you to be involved and to share the love of Christ. We had a a wonderful produce giveaway yesterday and we were able to hand out bags and and watch people smile and, and share the love of Christ with them. What a great opportunity. Let me ask you, would you be willing to sacrifice that which you wanted for the sake of sharing Christ? I want you to notice something. I can't find anywhere where this outcast woman that has come in the blazing heat of the day, in the middle of the day, about the sixth hour, the text tells to draw water, which tells us she's an outcast because you wouldn't come in the middle of the day. You would come either in the morning or in the evening. But she comes in the middle of the day when it's hot and she comes there, but she does not leave with what she came for. 
She never draws the water for which she came. At least I can't see it. And I suppose that's because she leaves with something she didn't come and intending to leave with. And that was the living water. That was the living water. Which becomes in her a well of springing up to eternal life. It bubbles over. It pours out to the people that she goes back and she's sharing with. She says, come, see a man who told me all things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? Listen, maybe you came today and you didn't really want to be here, but you're here. I pray that you would leave with living water. With an excitement about Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're already a believer and you're here, you know Christ, but you're distracted by the things of the world and in all of the situations that surround you and you forgot that there's a greater purpose inside of you and that is to pray, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world who is quickly fading into hell, separated from God eternally. And you just may be the only mouthpiece in which gets to proclaim Jesus Christ to this world. You may be the instrument God uses to share the hope of Christ. I pray that you would leave with living water like this woman. I'm sure she didn't want to go get water in the middle of the day in the blazing heat, but she went. And she arrives, her life is changed. She gets living water. And she leaves with a changed heart. And she goes and she tells what's happening. And as a result of sharing, verse 30 says, they went out of the city and they were coming to him. It's working. Her testimony is sufficient and is drawing people to Christ. Listen, if you've met Christ this morning, you have a fabulous testimony that I promise you will work, that will draw people to the Savior if we would just be willing to go and to proclaim. Because listen, now is the time to reap for the fields are ready for the harvest. But we are the tools he uses in order to bring people to Jesus Christ. We must share Jesus with excitement because salvation, Right? A changed heart, turning from the darkness, from the power of darkness to the power of light is something that we should be excited about. It's, it's worth getting all excited about. But some of us, the reality is, is we get more excited about football than the father. We get more excited about money than the master. Some of us get more excited about social media than salvation. This woman shared Jesus with joy in her heart with excitement, and we too should as well. So we must share Jesus with everyone. Secondly, we must share Jesus with excitement. But thirdly, we must share Jesus with expectation. You want to know why we should share Jesus with expectation? First, because we aren't the ones saving people. Our pretty little words do not save souls. Jesus does. And for that, we can be confident that if a soul comes to Christ, it ain't got nothing to do with me. And it ain't got anything to do with you, but got to do with the Savior, Jesus Christ, working in and through, changing hearts, giving eyes to see, opening ears to hear the gospel, the truth. Do you remember the day that you came to know Jesus Christ? Do you remember the life before Christ? All of the things we did, all of the hideous things we did. And, and you remember the day that God revealed to you your sin and your need for a Savior, and boom, your eyes were opened. And you saw your need for Christ. 
That day came for me March 25th, 2001 at Ridgeland Baptist Church. Grasping that pew at the back of my hands. And I came to know Christ. Listen, we should share with expectation because God is the one saving souls. He is, he is the one delivering people, opening eyes, opening doors. And so we must share our faith with, with faithfulness. Not everybody's going to believe. Uh, this week I had an opportunity to do dinner with Sean Cahoon and went to the Mexican restaurant and we're sitting there and our waitress comes up and she has a cross hanging from her shirt. And, and I said, hey, I noticed you got a cross on your shirt. Are you a believer? Are you, are you a follower of Christ? Well, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, uh, no, my granddaddy gave this to me. And she shut the door that quick. Sometimes the door's open. Sometimes the door's closed. Jesus is in the business of saving souls. I have to simply be willing, willing and ready to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And because He's doing the saving, listen, we can go out into the highways and the byways with expectation that if that soul is prepared and ready, then if we're willing and we are ready and we share, they will come to life. Listen, I went to Louisiana for the first time last year to go red fishing and and. And I have two goals this year. One's to share Jesus with everybody I can, and one's to make it back to Louisiana in October so I can catch all those redfish again. But I'm going to Louisiana with great expectation. Why? Because Louisiana is, is historically known for the population of redfish they have. Why can I have expectation? Because I've been there, and I've seen it. Listen, we have historical documentation of souls coming to Christ when we proclaim Jesus Christ. We should share Jesus with expectation because he is able. Listen, this is Jesus' purpose, to preach the kingdom of God. For what shall we expect that God will go before and do his work and bring souls to give eyes to see, to give ears to hear? While this woman is all testifying about Jesus Christ, the story connects us back with the disciples Right? It's one event happening at the same time. So the woman's in the background. Now they became the front side. Jesus is talking to the disciple, but she's still, what? Witnessing Christ, right? Proclaiming Jesus Christ to this community. And then he says here, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. <clears throat> we eat, why? So we have energy to do the work that we have to do, right? If you don't eat, just stop eating for a few days and see if you have the energy to get, to get everything you need to get accomplished. It won't happen. We need food to sustain our body, to give us energy so that we can work. But listen, what he's saying here, this is a God comment. We eat so that we can have energy to work, but the Lord's food is to do the Father's will to accomplish the goal that God has set before him. Basically, Jesus is saying this, I am sustained, I'm replenished so that I can work to complete the work that God has done for me by finishing the work that God has done for me. 
He's saying, by, by, by doing what I've been sent to do, this is how I am sustained. They missed it. They said, Rabbi, eat. They thought, man, you must be starving. Right? You, you, you've traveled a long way. You haven't had anything to drink. And, and we went into the city to get food, and now we've come back, and you haven't eaten. You, you've got to be starving. They probably ate on the way back, you know? I mean, they were probably eating and walking, talking and having a good time. And when they get back, uh, they want Jesus to eat. And so they say, Rabbi, eat. He's hungry. Yeah, he's fully God, and yet he's fully man. But what we see here is a revealing of the glory of God. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. His purpose has always been to accomplish the will of God. And the will of God for Jesus is to complete the work that God has gave Him to accomplish. And that work is to give eternal life his purpose is to proclaim the kingdom of god to give eternal life because i am god in flesh because i am energized because i give eternal life i can be confident that when i share the gospel he the father is working we just have to be willing to share the gospel and i believe there's a famine in the christian land and we just don't share the gospel we think Facebook is good enough. But we fail to realize that our Facebook friends are everybody just like us. It's kind of like preaching to the choir, right? Um, how many people in here have just unfollowed people? They don't even know it. You just unfollow them because you get sick of listening to what they're saying. What we've done is we've just narrowed down those who need Jesus with people who act like us, talk like us, look like us. And then we try to share Jesus with those who already know Christ. Facebook's a great platform to witness and to minister and to share the hope of Jesus. But he says, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How are you doing? Have you shared the gospel with anybody lately? Have you given your testimony? This woman didn't go into theological terms with these people, did she? She didn't go and say, well, let me tell you what this theological term means transubstantiation no she said come see a man who told me everything that I had ever done listen you have a testimony God has changed you he's given you a new life now go proclaim the good things he has done for you that's what he told the demon possessed man that came to him and said Jesus I want to go with you he said no 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 you go back and you go tell these people who have already rejected me as Christ you go back and tell them what good things God has done for you he was a missionary for the Lord. We too need to be that. They've missed it. They are missing it because of the physical. Listen, we must share Jesus with the expectation that people are going to get saved eventually. Most of the time, listen, we plant, we water, and we wait. But Christ is making something very clear here in this text, and that is that God saves souls, and we are simply the instrument He uses in doing that. John 4.35 says, Do not say there are four months and then comes the harvest. That, he's saying that's man's way. You plant and you wait four months until the fields are ready, but not with divine farming. Now we're going to see a, a harvest very soon. 
Remember, this is one of two stories that are taking place. The woman is in the background doing what she's doing, witnessing, and, and Jesus is here teaching these fellows about something amazing, which we really don't have context on until we get to it. But it begins with making sure they understand when it comes to salvation, we can have expectation. Why? Because now is the time to reap. Listen to what Jesus says. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are white for harvest. The crop is ready to gather. But he's saying, you guys are so worried about the physical, you can't see. You can't see because of that. They are physically, worldly focused, right? They're worried about religious activity. Listen, it's time we lift up our eyes, look on the field, for they are ready for harvest. 36 says, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. I think he's talking about this woman who's out working, who's out sharing Jesus, testifying, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. We're fixing to see that come to life. We're fixing to see this take place where both he who sows or she who sows and they who reap is going to clash and bring something beautiful about. And they rejoice together. Evangelism is teamwork. When a soul steps into eternity, we should rejoice together, shouldn't we? I mean, do we, do we, I mean, do we really celebrate like when people come to Christ, do we, do we really genuinely celebrate a changed life? Like we have birthday parties, we serve cake, and you know, we hang out and we have fellowship, and that's great. What, what do we do when people come to Christ? Oh, that's great, man. Well, man I've been praying for them. That's good. <laughs> Listen, a life has just turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And an eternity has just taken place. This person that was living for eternity separated from God has now been united with Christ and has an eternal place in heaven when they come. Listen, we should be like celebrating. Like partying it up. Like bring the pizza, bring the cake, bring the sodas and the Mountain Dew and let's have a party. This person just come to Jesus. Listen, the, the fields are ready. Now's the time to reap. Now's the time to celebrate. We must rejoice. Who cares who reaps? Right? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for somebody, shared the gospel with somebody over and over and over, and they reject every time? And then you go, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And then the preacher preaches a message. It's, mm, it's, it's all right. It ain't all good. But then all of a sudden, they come forward and they pray, receive Christ. You go, what happened? Right? Who cares? Let's just rejoice that this person has now come into eternal life and we have so much to celebrate about. Man, I love it. I love watching people come to Christ. And I'm so thankful that God brought me to Christ. That has forgiven me. Listen, I'm not a perfect man. But I'm a forgiven man. And it's a daily dying to self. I love what what he says next. It doesn't take four months. (laughs) Not with God. 
God saves souls. We're simply planting and watering. But he says, for, for in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. And I love this. This is where it gets really good. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Right? This is where it becomes a team effort. This is where there can be no pride involved in people coming to Christ. You thinking you're the one who brought somebody to Jesus. Because what he's saying is, I sent you to reap for that which you didn't do anything for. Right? You're sitting here with me. Right? And I'm having to teach you about the spiritual things of this world. And this woman, who's an outcast, a Samaritan Gentile woman, is out proclaiming Christ. And they get ready. They're coming. And you ain't had nothing to do with it. But I'm going to send you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Praise God for people who labor. Praise God for people who labor. Because there's one thing that, that, that is a must in this text. Somebody must labor. Somebody must labor. Luke 10, 2 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. These disciples went, and I believe they went into the same town that she went in to buy food. But she went into the town with a purpose. They went in for food. And they probably turned their heads. Remember my hamburger story last week? About Israel being there eating a bacon cheeseburger and the Orthodox Jew walking down the street. Walking on the same side of the street I'm eating a hamburger. And they walk over and they put their head up there and they walk by me like this. Because I am a pagan eating a bacon cheeseburger. It ain't kosher. Right? So they went into this community hating Samaritans. They probably did this when they walked by Samaritan. How, how do you buy food in somewhere you can't even look at somebody? They sure wasn't thinking about Jesus. Oh, come see the Savior of the world. The Messiah has come, right? No, they ain't thinking about that. They're thinking, this, this guy ain't for you. He's for us. But she, no, she goes and she testifies. You see, this woman left her water parts and she went and she shared Jesus with expectation that they would come to see Christ. Isn't it interesting that these disciples are being sitting here talking and this woman is out there working and evangelizing. She's playing her part in gospel opportunity. And what are they doing? Nothing. <clears throat> They're learning. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Who's the others? Well, I believe, again, it's the woman working and sharing and leading people to Jesus. Because that's what we see next is powerful. Now the story shifts. The, the disciples then transition into the background. And, and now we're seeing the woman's story. It's all happening at the same time. And think about that because Jesus is saying, look up, behold, the fields are ripe for harvest, right? And then listen in verse 39, it says, from that city... Many of the Samaritans believed in him because the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things that I've done. You see, this woman left their pots and she shared Christ and they will come to Christ. And the disciples, they say, look up for the fields are ready. They are coming. It's all happening at the same time. It's a great picture of imagery that Christ is teaching them. A valid lesson. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. The others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Listen, evangelism is a team sport. 
It's a team sport. One plants, one waters, one reaps, but listen, God always gets the glory. God always gets the glory. We must have a proper perspective when it comes to salvation. God is always the one doing the work because salvation is of God, not of man. Not of man. We must share Jesus with everyone. We must share Jesus with excitement. We must share Jesus with expectation. And lastly, we must share Jesus with endurance. Ministry is a long-term commitment. The text reads, So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days more, and many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we see, for we have heard ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Many, because of her testimony, come to Christ. Because of her word, come to visit Jesus. And many more come to know Christ because of his word. The text says that Jesus stayed and ministered to the people for two days. He has endurance. Evangelism takes consistency and patience. Because we have to go into the field knowing that we don't save souls, no matter how great our craft is, no matter what method of evangelism we use, whether it's a tract, whether it's the napkin form, whether it's the three-circle method, whatever the case may be, they are not what saves men. Christ is. Christ is. He was patient. And because of his willingness to preach the kingdom of God, people come to an understanding that he is the one indeed that is the savior of the world. I love Job's words in Job 42.5. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Can I ask you today, do you know Christ? Have you beheld his glory? I'm not talking about your mom or your dad's relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about somebody else's testimony, but you. Do you know Christ personally? The Bible says believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. If you're here today and you know Christ personally and you have a relationship with Jesus, listen, now is the time to reap. Because the fields are white for harvest. And maybe, just maybe, like the disciples, you too will enter into somebody else's labor. And for salvation, we can, the one who sows and the one who reaps, rejoice together for a soul that comes to Christ. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. 
Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.